Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Jesus was healing a man one time and said to the man, he said, your sins are forgiven you. We're going to talk about that today and actually dig into it. This man couldn't forgive himself. How about you? Have you forgiven yourself? God has. And if God has, who are you to hold it over him? Sounds good, doesn't it? Join me today as we talk about healing and forgiveness. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you are here and we believe you're going to enjoy the broadcast. Let me just tell you a little bit about this broadcast. It's not like so many other broadcasts in that we do teach the Word of God. But I don't major on a particular subject or two or three subjects. I pastored for 33 years. I like to go all over the whole Bible. So basically, I'm like a pastor coming on, and that's why we call this student of the Word. You're not just here to learn a particular subject. I take it and I break it down into subjects, but most of these subjects are broken down into verse-by-verse teachings to where you'll really understand. And when you get through, you go, I see that. And so I know it's going to become a great blessing to you. Perhaps somebody invited you to watch this program. Thank you to the one who invited and thank you to the one who accepted the invitation and is watching the broadcast today. I'm going to be taking up an issue today from the Word of God about the importance of our fellowship with Jesus Christ as a Christian as opposed to just being a sinner coming to find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, in the Word of God, uh, divine healing, so we're going to talk about divine healing today. Divine healing is attached to the work of Jesus on the cross for forgiveness of sins. And so those two work together. If he forgives all of our iniquities, he heals all of our diseases. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, just like he saved everybody that came to him and, and wanted salvation. He healed everybody that came to him and wanted healing. Healing. And so in those cases, we simply find that healing was a form of the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is part of the Great Commission. When we go to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, we go and preach the gospel. Whoever believes will be saved. Whoever does not believe will not be saved. But also, on the other hand, uh, we believe also that if you uh, come to the sinner and offer salvation, but if you offer healing first, if they have need of healing, Jesus healed them. And then through that healing, they received him as Lord and Savior. So many multitudes received Jesus simply because they saw his healing power. What is the purpose of healing? As far as God is concerned, as far as being attached to the uh, Great Commission, then healing is a form of evangelism. And really to of the two, the most important again is the forgiveness of sins. This is what gets us to heaven. In fact, what's interesting, and Kenneth Hagin said this quite often, and I worked with him for a number of years at his ministry. He said this, he said, healing is the dinner bell for the gospel. In other words, which which one will feed you? Not the dinner bell, the gospel. That's the meal that will feed you. And so he simply said was, you ring it loud and clear, people come to get healed, and from there they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, which again comes down to which is the greatest of the two. Salvation is the greatest of the two. That's what takes us to heaven. But God will give you a temporary blessing to help you enter into an eternal blessing. And that's what, again, when it comes to the gospel. But on the other hand, there is in the word of God, we're going to talk about today, when God addresses a believer and they can't seem to get healed. And we're going to find out that sin in your personal life can hinder God's healing power moving in your life. 
plus your prayer life, a lot of other things. And the difference between this is the fact when you're saved, you have a relationship with God, but God wants you to maintain a fellowship with him too. It's much like around the family. You know, my kids are my kids and I can't help that. I mean, they were born my kids. I didn't have any choice in that. They had no choice in that. But the point of it is, I don't want just a relationship with my children. I want a fellowship with them too, where we get along, sit around the table, have, have enjoyment together. This is what God wants, not for us just to get saved and boom, just be part of the family, you know, just birthed into it. No, he wants more than that. He wants us to have fellowship with him. And oftentimes your fellowship will hinder the things that God wants to give to you if you're not walking according to what God wants. If there is known sin in your life, then what God wants you to do is ask forgiveness of it. First John 1, 9. If you do that, he promises these other things you've been waiting on will come to pass. But those small things in life, such as carrying anger, guilt, bitterness towards somebody, knowing that you've done this, I'm not talking about ignorance, I'm talking about you know that you've done it, but you make excuses for it, you try to pull the wool over God's eyes, you try to convince other people it's not that bad, when even other people know it's bad. Your kids know it's bad, your wife's know it's bad. God's been trying to tell you, but you're the hard-headed one won't listen. You're hindering blessings from coming into your life. And so I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter nine, today. We're going to take a look at a story of a man that came to get healed. And this man happened to be a believer. Jesus recognized that in him. And this man had a hindrance in his life from receiving his divine healing. And so in, in Matthew chapter nine, this is a great passage of scripture here in Matthew uh, from chapter four, the end of chapter four, all the way to the end of chapter nine, dealing with the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about that today. Let me just come back to this comparison again. In the word of God, we have comparisons and uh, the two that, that work together almost hand in hand often is the, the shedding of blood and then also water in the word of God. And each have a double meaning. What I mean by that is when it comes to uh, bodies of water, let's talk about that for, for a moment. The Red Sea as compared to the Jordan River. The Red Sea is a type of salvation coming out of Egypt, coming through this impassable gulf of water that was so deep, nobody could get through it. And God had to supernaturally divide it for the children of Israel to come through that it came back together and drowned the Egyptian army behind it. In other words, God brought those who wanted salvation through and those who did not want salvation were drowned behind. It simply comes back to this. The Red Sea is a type of salvation. But when they came to the borders of the uh, promised land, Jordan River, that was just a river, but it was still impassable. The time of year they came, it overflowed its banks. It was the time of the great rains and all this thing. And uh, the, the former rains had come, so all the land was going to get filled with water and crops would grow and all that kind of stuff. But yet, on the other hand, even though it was not the Red Sea, no one could pass through it. And so in the case of the Red Sea, God parted it in two directions. The people walked across, the water came back together. In the case of the Jordan River, it just it stopped at that moment and backed up all the way to a city called Adam. And it was dry there. So the people could go across, but it only went in one direction. And the in the Red Sea went in two directions. You see, when you come to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you stand before that Red Sea. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it parts in both directions. No sin past, no sin present, or no sin future can keep you out of heaven. The moment you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. Save from the past to the present to the future. Nothing you have ever done, doing, or will do will keep you out of heaven when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But when it came to the Jordan River, no, it only backed up in one direction. In other words, if you've been committing a sin and you know you committed sin, but today you stand there and you ask for forgiveness of it, that water backs up in that direction all the way back to Adam. But what I'm saying in that case is it doesn't go future. Today's sins 
okay, can be forgiven today, but tomorrow's sins, next week's sins, next month must be forgiven at the time. It's a difference between that and salvation. Salvation is that relationship with God that lasts eternally, but fellowship can be off and on from day to day. As you decide one day, I don't care what God says, I'm gonna do it my way. Well, right there, you've broken fellowship with him. In other words, you're facing a Jordan River, you might as well just accept it, ask God to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So sin in a Christian's life will hinder your progress and will hinder your blessing. Christian forgiveness does not mean a person is not saved. No, you are saved, but as is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you're carnal, under the control of the flesh. So sin will hinder our fellowship with God and also hinder our prayers. Sin toward God in the life of a Christian and toward other believers will open the door for Satan to afflict our lives, hinder our spiritual growth, and also stop the healing from coming. Well, by now, I hope you found Matthew chapter 9. So let's take a look at it. And here in this particular story, Jesus is going to go. And this story was told and retold in all of the four gospels, except for the book of John itself. Matthew chapter 9, take a look at verses 1 through 8. It says this, so he got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your heart? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and went to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power or such authority to men. This story is told in Mark chapter 2, also verses 1 through 12. It's also told in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And the reason why it is so important, why it's brought up this many times is there's a key in here because Jesus said, sir, son, your sins are forgiven you. And he wasn't talking about getting born again. He wasn't talking about receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. This man had a hindrance in his life. He already knew the Lord as Savior, but something that he couldn't forgive himself of. And so in Mark chapter two and verse two, let me just give you some others of what it said. Two things are brought out in Mark chapter two and verse two about this story. The crowd was so large that the people were standing on the porch outside the synagogue door. We often read how this occurred in the synagogue, okay? And it did, but it was also, they came to hear Jesus and his ministry was so huge and the healing ministry of Jesus was so huge. Now the whole porch was filled on the outside. And so also in that same verse of scripture, Jesus preached the word to heal. And there's times he just let healing go, but at other times he preached in the word of God. And this is how he was healing that day was by the preaching of the word of God. And so the crowd again was so large, people were standing on the porch outside the synagogue door. And of course we know this is the story of how that the, his friends came and parted the tiles on the roof and let this man down that was paralyzed. And again, Jesus saw their faith and, and this man eventually ended up being healed. We find out also in Luke chapter five and verse 17 about this story, the power of the Holy Spirit was present to heal. And I'm here to tell you, anytime when believers come together, the presence of the Holy Spirit is there, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst. It even tells Christians in James chapter five, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them come together, lay hands on this person, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, the Lord will raise him up. It's simply saying, take advantage 
of the presence of the Lord. And so Jesus preached the word to heal, but there's also the power and presence of the Holy Spirit was there. I think it's interesting what is said in that passage of scripture is that the power of the Lord was present to heal and yet no one got healed except this one man. In other words, the power of the Lord wasn't there to heal this one man. It was here to heal everybody, but nobody got healed. It's possible to walk into a church service and walk out of a church service and be just as sick as you were when you went into it, yet the presence of the Lord was there. Just because the presence of the Lord is there doesn't mean you're automatically healed. It doesn't also mean that sinners are automatically saved. You must receive that power. And so only this one man received the power, and that was because his friends came and said, simple faith for this man to be healed. And so here we're finding out again that Jesus was looking for a small portion of faith for these people to exercise, and he didn't find it until he found this one man. But there was a hindrance in his life. We're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. In the meantime, I want to talk to my supporters, those who are those who stand with me, those who, again, are my wonderful supporters who are in the ministry. I couldn't do this thing without you. My partners that are so wonderful in the ministry are faithful every single time that TV comes on, every single time they plug in a CD, a DVD, or whatever they watch. And of course, I thank you for it. And so if you'd like to become a partner with me, the announcer's gonna tell you also later how you can do this, but simply go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can become a partner with me. And boy, will I be glad for you to join me. That just means if one can put a thousand to flight, you and I both can put 10,000 to flight. I'll see you right after the break. With sin, Adam opened the door to every spiritual and physical curse for all mankind, including sickness. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. In How Deep Are the Stripes, Bobby Andian reveals that sickness and disease are the outward manifestations of eventual death. But Jesus came to give you life that includes health, wholeness, and victory in the course God has set before you. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, and gave you authority over every sickness or disease that would ever try to steal the health that belongs to you. To order How Deep Are the Stripes, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Welcome back to our story. And I want you to turn with me again one more time to Matthew chapter nine, and we're gonna take a close look at how Jesus addressed this man. We're gonna find out that when this man came to see Jesus, he was carrying some things inside of himself, and Jesus was the only one that saw it. But we're gonna talk about that today because you know there may be some things in your own personal life that's stopping God's blessing from flowing into your life, and usually that has to do with your attitude towards sin, your attitude toward people, and it still comes back to the same thing. You may be looking judgmentally at people, unforgiving toward people. And uh, God simply wants you to address that thing and really put it off. You know what's so sad about being angry at somebody and bitter towards somebody? They're affecting your life and they don't even know it. I mean, they're controlling your life and they don't even know it. And you're the stupid one letting them do it. When there comes a point when you finally say, Lord, listen, what they did to me, I don't like, but you know what, Lord? I didn't start it, but I'm gonna stop this thing right now. And Lord, I choose to forgive them. And from my heart, I forgive them. From that moment on, they don't control you anymore. No, you, in fact, what controls you is the spirit of God. And where they're over there sometimes angry at you for being blessed, they can't stop the blessing from coming into your life. Why? Because you're in right fellowship with the Lord, not only right, relationship with him. Matthew 9 verses 1 through 8. Here we have again the story of the man that's going to be healed in this story, a paralytic. It says in verses 1 through 8, Jesus got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, now they had to let him down through the roof. That's told in other, other passages about this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and went to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God that such power, such authority had been given to men. Again, this story is told in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And again, let me just highlight a couple of things. Mark chapter 2 and verse 2 said of this, two things are said in this verse of scripture. The crowd was so large that people were standing on the porch outside the synagogue door. And the way that Jesus healed that day was he preached the word. But we're told in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17 that also the presence of the Holy Spirit was there. The power to heal was there, even though nobody except this one man got healed. That doesn't mean if you're in a meeting where the presence of God is, all sickness has to go. No, sickness goes because you refuse to let sickness stay in your body. In other words, if the place is full with the Holy Spirit, you can't just come in and say, well, this Holy Spirit's here, I'm okay. No, you have to receive it. Listen, when Jesus was there, the power of the Lord was present also to forgive all sins. But you know what? These guys stood up and just and just really railed about Jesus, saying he had the power to forgive sins. But the point of it is, if the power of God is present to heal and present to deliver you from sin, you have to receive it. The key word of the word of God, as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. And Jesus said, the blind receive their sight. That's how you get healed. Receive the power of God. So all Jesus was looking for was a small portion of faith. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6, Luke chapter 5 and verse 24, the same story Jesus showed in those passages of scripture that healing of sickness is an outward sign 
of Jesus' ability to forgive sins. What he said was this, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I speak to this disease, this paralysis, and command it to go. You know what Jesus was saying? That really divine healing is an outward manifestation where you can see it with your eyes, feel the presence of God in the air. He says it's simply an outward manifestation, proof that inside of you, I can forgive all sins. So that's what he's simply saying. No wonder these two are so tied together, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. And this man though, as a believer, had a crossover in his life that was causing a contradiction of him being able to get healed. He was carrying something. And Jesus was the one that saw it and pointed it out. So again, Jesus showed, especially here in Matthew chapter nine and verse six, he said that you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to this man, arise, take up your bed and walk. And he began to do that. And this was an outward expression to the entire group of people there, thousands that were there that day, that Jesus has power over sin because if he can heal sickness, which man cannot do, then he can also uh, forgive sins of which man cannot do. So Jesus showed again, healing of sickness is the outward sign of his ability to forgive sins. Signs and wonders are to point people to salvation, not just to end our suffering. What I'm talking about is this. Whenever, I, whenever I'm out in, in public and stuff, and I, there's times, I remember one lady in a Walmart one day, and you could just see she was not happy. And Walmart people are supposed to be happy. And I said, is everything okay with you? And she said, no, my daughter's sick, really, really sick. And I said, ma'am, I'm a minister of the gospel. Let's believe God for her healing right now. And I prayed with her. Her whole countenance changed. Everything changed. I didn't see that woman after that, but I'll tell you what, I believe that at that time, I sowed a seed. With some you plant, others you water, God gives the increase. And the result of that thing was gonna be more than her daughter being healed. That family was gonna find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Healing will carry you through this lifetime, but if you receive Jesus as Savior, that is eternal. In other words, a temporary blessing can usher into our life an eternal blessing to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Signs and wonders are to point people to salvation, not just end our present temporary suffering. And this is why the Great Commission includes healing the sick attached to it. Healing leads to salvation. And so the Great Commission includes the healing of the sick. So Jesus sent us out not only to preach the gospel, but also to cast out devils, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It's all part of that healing, outward and inward process of the Lord but the one leads to the other, the temporary, which is healing. Thank God for healing. But you know what? What if you were a sick person coming to Jesus, you turned around and walked away, didn't receive him as savior, and you were healed for the rest of your life? Well, what good does that do in eternity? Because if he lived another 50 years and crossed over a line and ended up dying and going to hell, what good did it do? Jesus actually did something for this man and he showed it in the presence of everybody and said that. He simply said this. He said, this is my means of getting salvation, the eternal reward to you that what Jesus did on the cross. I wanna magnify a verse of scripture in Matthew chapter nine and verse two. It almost sounds a little crazy. Jesus said to this man who was paralyzed, be of good cheer. Now, does that sound like some usual Christian lingo we hear where somewhere, well, bless you, brother. And what you mean is get out of here. I don't wanna deal with you. And it almost sounds like that was what Jesus was saying, be of good cheer, but it's not. The Greek actually says, be encouraged. What he's saying was, I have something I'm about to give to you that's going to be greatly encouraging in your life. And what Jesus was meaning to this man was you're carrying discouragement in your life and have been for some time. Now, I want you to notice what he said. 
in Matthew chapter nine and verse two, the same thing is recorded in Mark chapter two and verse five and is recorded in Luke chapter five and verse 20. This thing is said three times in the New Testament, your sins are forgiven. Now, this man didn't come to get forgiveness of sins. This man came to be healed. His friends didn't bring him to be forgiven of sin. They brought him to be healed of sickness and disease, and Jesus noted their faith. But what Jesus noted was there was something blocking this man from receiving his healing. In other words, this man had been saved for some time. He had received him perhaps in one of the great meetings that Jesus had and they brought him back later on and his friends did for healing. But yet something was happening. It just wasn't working in this man and Jesus knew exactly what it was. When Jesus said your sins are forgiven, let me tell you what the Greek says. In the Greek, we have an interesting tense called the perfect tense. And it's found in the French language today, but not too often do we find the perfect tense. The perfect tense is a mixture of the past tense mingled with the present tense. And what this means is its action happened in the past, but the results keep right on coming up until the present. It's found in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved. The word saved is in the perfect tense, which simply means for by grace were you saved in the past, but the results keep right on coming up until the present time. And so what that verse means in Ephesians 2, was there was a day you received me as Lord and Savior. And you know what? You don't have to receive me again and again and again because that day you got saved, salvation has continued, continued to operate in your life every single day. What was Jesus saying to this man? When he said, you have been forgiven, he said, your sins are forgiven. He put it in the perfect tense. What was he saying? He said, sir, your sins have been forgiven from the time you asked me. This wasn't the prayer of salvation Jesus was referring to. This man had done something wrong. It's not brought out in here and doesn't need to be brought out in here. Jesus doesn't parade your sins in front of other people, but this man knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. said, son, your sins were forgiven you from the moment you asked me. That might've been five months ago, six months ago. He said, you've been asking and asking and asking and don't realize that something that the very first time you asked me, your sins have been forgiven ever since then. So what he said was, is you have been healed basically because you have been forgiven. The moment this man realized, he suddenly realized something. I've been carrying something that was forgiven the moment I asked. First John 1, 9 doesn't have to be repeated over and over and over again for the same sin. If you really believe that that verse is true, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins, then the moment that you ask it, it is done, whether you feel like it or not. And this man must've been falling back on his feelings. The guilt of what he had done was so bad and Jesus just wiped it out in one phrase and said, son, your sins have been forgiven you from the moment that you asked. It must have gone through him like that. His eyes, his every, his, his imagination, all of a sudden, all the guilt was gone, all this trying, it suddenly struck him. I have been forgiven since the moment God asked. And the moment that happened, Jesus said, now pick up your bed and walk. This man picked up his bed, rolled it up in front of everybody and walked out of there. You were forgiven since the time you asked. It is never God's fault we're not healed. As a sinner, it's not God's fault that we're not healed. As a Christian, it's not God's fault that we're not healed. Why? Because he forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. But yet he told this man as he was leaving, he said, now go your way and sin no more. 
He told this to a woman one time that came and caught in adultery, yet the woman must have been a believer because what he said was, ma'am, he said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. What he's simply saying was in the life of a Christian, yes, our personal life has to do with our spiritual life. And yes, sometimes we can even have sickness come into our life because why? We hold ourselves accountable. We don't ask God to forgive us or pride rises up or else on the other hand, like this man, we can't forgive ourselves. It just seems so bad. Understand something by simply saying that I, that I cannot be forgiven of this. You're simply saying I'm bigger than God. God can forgive, but you know what? I can't forgive myself. Who made you bigger than God? Why don't you just simply receive your remission of sins and at the same time receive your healing as this man did? Removal of sins is comes when you ask for forgiveness of them. And then they're separated as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103, verse 12. Forgotten, never to be remembered again, Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34. Thanks for tuning in today. We will see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.